Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 83. Every week on this show, I try to accomplish three things. I try to provide content you need to know. I try to help you better know, understand, and apply our faith. And I try to always be 100% Catholic. Over the last 84 episodes, we've tackled some pretty tough issues, most on a general level, but some on a personal level. Some of the topics we've covered are how Catholics should respond to Trump's wall, your personal finances from a purely Catholic perspective, the relationship between husbands and wives, parents and children, according to the constant 2,000-year teaching of the Church, the ways we foolishly violate nature with contraception, abortion, and euthanasia, the corrupt and Marxist USCCB, as well as the majority of bishops being corrupt the so-called Pink Mafia, and I even predicted the civil war now underway in many of our nation's cities that's being pressed by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. We could go on and on. Despite that there have only been 83 episodes, I've covered more than 120 topics for you. I get a lot of feedback on what six-packers think about these episodes. Most of you give honest opinions about the things I say. A few of you ask questions in order to gain a deeper understanding or to straighten out the confusion caused by having been taught the wrong thing in the first place. Some of you write to ask why most things are so negative. That's the very first of many things we're going to deal with today here in episode 83. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other broadcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate.
It always bothers me when some six-packers complain that so much of what I do is negative. Well, I've no doubt that you perceive many, if not most, of the things I say in a negative light. That's not what I intend, though. In the old days in the Army, that would be in my day, when the artillery was used to open an attack on the enemy at the start of a battle, there was always an advance man. I wasn't in the artillery when I served, so forgive me if I'm wrong about this, but I think the guy was called a spotter. He'd sneak in close to the enemy and radio in the coordinates to the artillery bank so they'd know where to begin lobbing in fire. Once the firing began, it was his job to tell the artillery, who was usually miles away, how to adjust their fire for the greatest effect. The way I see things is that you six-packers are the artillery, and I'm the spotter. I can't fight like I used to, so I try to guide your fire. I'm not a troublemaker, as some bishops have accused, but I see you six-packers and me as troubleshooters. Look, the church is in dire trouble. We have a socialist sitting in the chair of Peter who promotes the worship of pagan idols and heresy, Marxist bishops who've exposed their Marxism and corruption during this very foolish and counterproductive China virus lockdown, the even greater exposure of the pink mafia in recent months, and how Francis is appointing men to head dioceses for the obvious purpose of further confusing the lay faithful and destroying the church from within. Decades before most of you were ever born, Venerable Fulton J. Sheen, perhaps the most dynamic defender of the Catholic faith on earth during the 20th century, foretold every bit of this. He knew the bishops as a whole would be corrupt. He knew that the priesthood would have absolutely no credibility with anyone in America and around the world other than Catholics like us six-packers. Because of this, he made a very prophetic call to arms for faithful Catholics like us. He said, who's going to save our church? It's not our bishops, it's not our priests, and it's not the religious. It's up to you, the people. You have the minds, the eyes, and the ears to save the church. Your mission is to see that the priests act like priests. Your bishops act like bishops, and the religious act like religious. That's why virtually everything I talk about on the cantankerous Catholic seems negative. It's not really negative. It's intelligence in this ongoing war we have to fight to restore the church militant. The church suffering and the church victorious aren't out of order a bit. They're still perfectly healthy because Jesus never chose fallen man to run anything in purgatory or heaven. He only chose fallen man to represent him in the church militant or the church on earth. Jesus didn't make a mistake by choosing men to represent him in the church militant. By choosing men, he's actually proven to the world over and over again that he's ultimately the one in charge, as the Council of Ephesus and the miraculous election of Pope St. John Paul II so vividly prove. Still, because there are so many man-made problems in the church militant, Catholic morality dictates that we must fight with any moral means necessary to restore the church militant to its pristine state. 
When I tell you about the crazy things Bergoglio is doing in Rome, the bishops and the USCCB are doing here, about the mistreatment of Orthodox priests and the elevation of certain priests because of their outrageous heresies, it's not to be negative. It's so you'll have all the intelligence you need about the enemy so we can combat them. This is the first and perhaps most important thing I need to talk to you about this week. I'd actually planned on exposing the Catholic Campaign for Human Development for its Marxist and treasonous actions against both Catholics and America, but that'll get covered next week. There are a lot of important topics that should be talked about, but never get brought up because they're too long for a brief mention and too short to devote an entire episode, so I'm just going to bring up some of those things here and now. The first thing I want to tell you is something I'm really excited about. As you know, I've never done an interview on the Cantankerous Catholic. I'm changing course there, and I'm going to do my very first interview soon. Back in June, I introduced you to the most courageous priest I know, Father James Altman. When I introduced him, many of you already knew who he was, but most of you didn't. That episode has become the most listened-to episode of the Cantankerous Catholic, which tells me just how much you loved Father. Well, Father Altman is going to be my first interview a few weeks from now. You've heard him preach homilies as the pastor of St. James the Less in La Crosse, Wisconsin, but in this interview, you'll get the opportunity to know him as both a priest and a man. There's another thing I wanted to mention that I think is too important to pass up. Did you know that 82% of Catholics reject at least one teaching of the Catholic faith? I don't know how that can be possible. If Jesus Christ is God, and if he established the Catholic Church, and if we're obligated to believe everything Jesus teaches, then how in the world can any Catholic reject anything at all that the Catholic Church teaches? The problem isn't a rebellious laity, the problem's an ignorant laity. For nearly 60 years, our bishops have failed to be shepherds. They've done a remarkable job of teaching us about social justice, but a Marxist version of it instead of a Catholic version. But the bishops have been as worthless as tits on a boar hog when it comes to teaching the actual doctrines, dogmas, and morals of the Catholic faith. This Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy apostolate began five or six years ago when I reached a breaking point. I've been a lay evangelist for more than 30 years, being used by the Holy Spirit to make literally hundreds of converts in one-on-one and small group venues. I never joined the Knights of Columbus before, though, probably because I don't think anyone had ever asked me. I'd always loved and admired the Knights, though, especially whenever Virgil Deschamps was at the helm. When I was asked then, I went ahead and joined. When I went to receive my third degree, no one had given me a heads up about that degree and what to expect. When I found out that they were going to examine our proficiency in the faith, I have to admit I panicked a bit. After all, this was the Knights of Columbus, the most elite bunch of Catholic laymen in the church. I just figured they were going to embarrass the hell out of me because they knew more than I did. I was embarrassed, all right. I was embarrassed for them. 
There were more than 50 men there to receive the third degree, and only three of us could answer any questions at all. There were men there who couldn't even name the mysteries of the rosary, despite that in previous degrees they were told that praying the rosary is something a knight is expected to do. After the third degree ceremony was out of the way, it was Miller time. I mingled with the new third degree knights because I wanted to learn more about what made them tick. I discovered that they weren't the least bit embarrassed by not knowing even the most simple catechetical information. The reason they weren't embarrassed was because they thought they were being asked some really tough, advanced questions. You know, stuff like how many sacraments there are and if the Eucharist is really Jesus Christ. So I began the Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy apostolate to combat catechetical ignorance. I'd predicted way back in the 1990s that Christianity in general, and Catholicism in particular, would be viciously attacked by the world, the flesh, and the devil. As much as I don't want to admit it, I was right. The world attacks the Catholic Church because she won't change her teachings with the changing times, no matter how many Judases from inside try to do that. The flesh attacks the church through society's ever-changing and degrading sexual morality. The devil attacks the Catholic Church through our government, the Canadian government, the British government, the French government, the German government, the Chinese government, and many other governments, including the United Nations. The biggest problem with a combination of all these attacks and the ignorance of the laity is that an ignorant laity can't survive as Catholics if they don't know what they're supposed to believe. I'm doing a lot of things to correct the ignorance of the laity, and I've got a lot of other things in the works. I've got a pair of guardian angels who reside in a southern state while they're hanging around on earth to help me out, but this China virus thing has kicked them down the stairs like everyone else, so we haven't accomplished a lot together yet. Still, one of them has one set of primary tasks, and the other has another set. One of the things we're working on, something we originally planned for April, is a new podcast called The Catholic Boot Camp. But one thing we've got in place right now is the Sharing the Catholic Faith webinars. Because of China virus fatigue, as well as people being anxious for some sun and fun after being hunkered down all spring, we suspended the webinars. They'll be making a comeback on September 13th, by popular vote from those who've attended them before. Now, why is this important? I know the vast majority of you think you already know as much as you need to know about the Catholic faith. After all, you've been to Catholic school, you've been a Catholic all your life, right? Wrong. I can promise you that at least 95% of you don't know 10% of what you need to know. One six-packer said that my exciting presentations were like going to a Catholic college. (laughs) That's sad because with the exception of a very brief mention of situation, ethics, and fundamental option, every single thing I teach is what every Catholic 8th grader had to know in order to graduate 75 years ago. I know that every single six-packer is at least as smart as an 8th grader, so you can get what I present. Don't think for a minute 
that just because this material is far more advanced than anything you've ever heard that it's boring. It's not. Here's what a deacon from my archdiocese left on a recording for me after attending the first webinar. This was the first full webinar that I've sat through. I was amazed when you said it was time for questions. It just blew me away, as I didn't think an hour had gone by already. So I would have never guessed that an hour would have gone by. It was amazing. I was totally shocked. You have me sucked in. It was a great experience for me. Thank you for everything you do. By attending, you won't be bored, as this deacon's testimony demonstrates. This deacon is just a hard-working heavy equipment operator, so he's not exactly the sort of man who goes in for a lot of complex highbrow stuff. I'm not just trying to appeal to you about attending. You folks are six-packers. That makes you head and shoulders above your peers, because you care much more about the faith in our church and our country than most folks. This means you really need to get as many other Catholics to attend these webinars as you can. All that's really necessary is that when you get a webinar invitation, after you register yourself, forward the invitation to all your Catholic family and friends, explaining to them why they need it. You can get invitations emailed to you by signing up onto any of my website lists through the forms on the sites. I'll include the links in my show notes. The webinars are free. Everything I do except my books and swag are free. And that leads to my final topic. Catholic Answers founder Carl Keating and Virgin Most Powerful Radio founder Terry Barber told me a couple of years before I launched the Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy apostolate, not to make any apostolate I had a not-for-profit entity. These men were speaking from experience. The Obama IRS persecuted Catholic apostolates terribly. Things are much, much better under Trump, but he won't be president forever. So as long as I have this apostolate chartered as an LLC, there's very little they can do to it. Because this apostolate is an LLC instead of a nonprofit, 99% of its income is derived from subscriptions parish priests have to get weekly Sunday bulletin inserts that give thumbnail catechism lessons to parishioners. Because of the China virus lockdown, subscriptions were decimated. Therefore, until I get subscriptions back up, not that I had that many in the first place, I need financial help. I'm taking most of the monthly expenses out of my own pocket, but I can't keep doing that much longer. I'm not asking for something for nothing. If you want to make a gift to this apostolate, there are links all over for you to be able to do that. However, I also have books and coffee mugs, and one of my guardian angels is working on some Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy swag. The profits from these things helped offset the monthly costs. Also, if you're not in a parish that currently subscribes to my Sunday bulletin insert called What We Believe, Why We Believe It, check out what it says about it in my show notes. Print it out and share it with your pastor. Ask him to try it out in your parish. Together we'll be able to keep this very vital apostolate afloat.
What did Billy D. Williams, the celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell, and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross? Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how, in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity, how the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. Public schools across the United States are making it harder for parents to withdraw their children from those schools amid the coronavirus pandemic, according to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Peyton and Connor Plasala are brothers, but now they have the title Father. For whatever reason, God chose to call us, and he did. And we were just fortunate enough to have had the foundations from both our parents and our education to hear it and then to say yes, said Father Peyton. They were ordained together on May 30 in Mobile, Alabama. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to LifeSite News. We cry out, where is your courage? Where are the saints? Why is Jesus deemed non-essential by both the state and the church? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to Fox News. Congressional Black Caucus Chairwoman Representative Karen Bass expressed her distaste for the term defund the police. I told some friends that's probably the worst slogan ever, she said in a Washington Post live broadcast. She went on to explain that while she didn't support defunding the police, she believed law enforcement budgets could be reduced if communities didn't rely on police officers to deal with issues outside of their training. The reality is that this woman's even more committed to Marxist ideologies than Bernie Sanders. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats Off to Think Big Almost 10 years ago, scientist Peter Turchin predicted that the United States was heading for a period of instability, with political violence and unrest likely to peak in 2020. This is a very interesting article. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. 
Catholicism 101 is the segment where Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, gives you little thumbnail lessons to help you better learn and understand the Catholic faith. Here's this week's Catholicism 101. Personally, I think there are two things all Christians should be able to prove, especially Protestants. Our separated brethren claim strict adherence to the Bible as the end-all be-all of divine revelation, believing it to be the inspired word of God, yet none of them know how to prove the Bible is inspired. Well, I think they should have to prove that. Catholics too, for that matter. That's something we'll cover in a future Catholicism 101. There is yet another thing all Christians should be able to prove, especially we Catholics. Perhaps one of the most puzzling things for me about modern Christians is they worship someone they can't prove. Obviously, they all believe in God, or at least say they do, but they can't prove his existence. What kind of sense does that make? Why worship a being you can't prove exists? It's like believing in the tooth fairy. At least a kid has a logical reason for believing in the tooth fairy and Easter bunny. After all, they bring them stuff, right? The question is, can God's existence be proven at all? Well, not with empirical scientific evidence, at least not yet anyway. However, his existence can certainly be proven through the use of logic and right reason. So let's delve right into it. Many people rely on the Big Bang Theory to poo-poo God's existence. They claim that there was just this huge explosion, and when it cooled down, they had the universe. Silly but true. These scientifically inclined people even deny the principles of the science that they already worship with such a theory as the Big Bang Theory. One of the laws of physics tells us that every movement, an explosion, which leads to the universe, solar system, earth, plant life, animal life, humans, must have a first mover. How can a huge explosion from nothing happen without a first mover, that is, a cause? The Big Bang Theory can make sense, but only if there's a first mover, and the only possible first mover is God. So in reality, the Big Bang Theory actually proves the existence of God. This argument, and what follows, is called the argument by design. We can see from creation that all could only exist by the power of an infinitely wise, all-powerful, self-existing being. He's a logical God who created a logically functioning universe. Take a look at the food chain. The smallest microscopic organism is food for the next largest organism, is food for the next largest organism, is food for the next largest organism, and so on. Eventually, it becomes food for man, the highest form of natural creation. When we eat a pork chop or chicken leg and digest it, the process begins all over again. Look at the trees. Trees inhale carbon dioxide and exhale oxygen. We inhale oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. The trees can't live without us, and we can't live without the trees. Accident? I don't think so. I think it's a logical God. We all intuitively know it's wrong to steal, wrong to lie, wrong to unjustly take an innocent human life. We intuitively know the difference between right and wrong. That's called natural law. Since we know these things intuitively, the fact that we have natural law implies a lawgiver. 
Who else could that lawgiver be but God? My favorite argument, though, is more elementary and more satisfying to we Joe Sixpack Catholics. Due to a lack of time, we'll simply concede certain things as true here, because they are quickly and easily proven with a few minutes on Google. It's a historical fact that the books of the Old Testament are ancient Hebrew literature. We're not saying they're inspired or even true for the sake of this argument. We're merely stating that they're ancient Hebrew literature. The second fact is that Jesus of Nazareth was a real historical person. We're not saying anything about him at this point except that he truly existed in Israel 2,000 years ago. Now, some scoffers would say the only proof we have of his existence are the four Gospels, but that simply isn't true. There are four secular characters of the time who attest to Jesus' existence, Pliny, Tacitus, Suetonius, and Flavius Josephus. Pliny, Tacitus, and Suetonius were pagans and certainly no friends to Christianity, so their written record is reliable. Flavius Josephus was a Jew and a Roman citizen, and he was also no friend of Jesus of Nazareth. So we actually have eight sources to prove Jesus was a true historical person. Pliny, Tacitus, Suetonius, Flavius Josephus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now for the argument. The Old Testament, this ancient Hebrew literature, is filled with prophecies about the coming of a Messiah the earliest reference being in Genesis, then Jeremiah, Isaiah, the Psalms, etc. If we were to take all those prophecies and list them on paper, we could then go to our historical sources mentioned earlier to find that Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled all those prophecies. Does that prove that Jesus is the Messiah? No, not at all. It only proves that he fulfilled the prophecies, but three types of people could have done that either a bad man, a madman, or the Messiah. Could Jesus have been a bad man? Could he wake up one day and decide that if he convinced people he was truly the Messiah, he could gain wealth and power? Sure he could, but that argument won't float. Why? Because the prophecies also tell us the Messiah had to die. Now, what bad man, a criminal, is willing to die to prove a point, especially after gathering his following? None, of course. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been a bad man. Could Jesus have been a madman? Could a madman wake up one day and say, What's that, God? You say I'm the Messiah and I need to start fulfilling prophecy? Okay, God. Would or could a madman do that? Again, that certainly is a possibility, especially with a smart lunatic. But reason and experience with the insane tells us this won't work. Why? Consistency, that's why. A madman can't remain consistent long enough to pull this sort of thing off. A modern example would be any Democrat politician, or a 20th century example of this would be Adolf Hitler. We entered the Second World War in 1941. Germany declared war on the United States on December 11th. It was almost three years before we had a significant victory over Germany. Our European enemy had the greatest military and the most brilliant war generals the world had ever known, but we ended up defeating them anyway. The reason was Hitler's insanity. 
As long as Hitler listened to his war generals, the Germans won. It was only when Hitler's insanity kicked in and he began listening to his astrologers instead of his generals that we were able to begin to turn the tide of war to our favor. That's the nature of insanity. Jesus was far from insane. The science of psychology only began in 1879, making it a mere 141 years old. Psychologists agree that if Jesus was nothing else, he was both sane and consistent. While they may not agree with what he taught, or at least the various interpretations of what he taught, they certainly agree that he was sane. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been a bad man. If Jesus couldn't have been a bad man, and he couldn't have been a madman, then he must have been what he said he was. And who did he say he was? He said he was God. Jesus repeatedly claimed to be God in places like John 10, verses 24 through 31. But my personal favorite is found in John 8, 58. Here's what took place. The Jews said to him, Are we not right in saying you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I have not a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he will be the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say that he is your God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I said, I do not know him, I should be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews then said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, Jesus' comment saying, I am, seems pretty innocuous to most of us, and maybe it doesn't even make sense to many of us, but it was enough to make the Jews want to kill him. Why? To get the answer to that, we have to go back to the third chapter of Exodus. It's here that God just gave Moses his marching orders to go to the children of Israel as his messenger and their liberator. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am, the statement of the All-Eternal. Every Hebrew male in those days were obliged to memorize the entire Pentateuch, or first five books of the Old Testament, so the Jews understood by Jesus' statement exactly who he was claiming to be. He was claiming to be God, so they sought his death for blasphemy. 
So if Jesus couldn't have been a bad man, and he couldn't have been a madman, and he had to be who he said he is, and he said he is God, we must therefore conclude that God exists. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts, and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step -step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. Today's Catholic quote is by actor Mark Wahlberg. He said, I attribute all of my success to my Catholic faith. My faith has given me the ability to be a good father, a good husband, and most importantly, a good person. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A bishop came to confirm in a certain parish. He was welcomed with much ceremony. Two little girls received him in the name of all the children. One gave him a bouquet. The other spoke. She did so without fear, so that the bishop was amazed and said, Weren't you afraid? You gave your speech very well. She answered, I wasn't afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. Afraid of nothing at all? asked the bishop. I'm afraid of nothing except mortal sin. You're afraid of mortal sin only, repeated the bishop, and bent his gray head and was silent for a while. He then turned to those around him and spoke. Jesus said, unless you become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He also said, I will tell you whom you are to fear. Fear him who is able to cast your soul into hell. Fear him. 
There really isn't anything so harmful as sin. This is the wisdom of God given to a child, the wisdom of fearing sin and the devil who is able to cast us into hell because of actual sin, which we ourselves willingly commit. Sin takes away the life of the soul because it takes away sanctifying grace. Mortal sin can cast your soul into hell. It's the worst evil in the world. That's the reason why, like the little girl, you shouldn't fear anything except mortal sin. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been the Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.